All right, guys, I need to tell you about our sponsor for this week's episode of Conversations. It's Riverside. I've used Riverside since the company started. Riverside is an easy recording platform that you'd be able to send a link to your guests, maybe your co-hosts. It doesn't matter. You can send them the easy link. People can sit in on the audience. You'll be able to record up to 4K, which is super helpful. In 2024, we need to have the best recordings possible for our podcast listeners. And this is how you do it. Riverside makes short form clips called Magic Clips. It's incredible. You can do audience recordings, like I said. You can do broadcast recordings and stream on different platforms. Again, as transcriptions, you can edit right from their platform. I've used it for more than four years, and I believe it is your time. If you're looking to start a podcast, if you have a podcast, maybe you're sick of other different video recording platforms, I would truly recommend listening and participating in Riverside. They gave me a 15% off code for each one of you. So you can go to the link in the description and you will be able to get 15% off your subscription. So go right now, download Riverside and start your podcast, start your YouTube channel this year using River. Thank you so much. All right, guys, in this video, it's a super fun one. We're going to go over eight reminders of church leaders. We're going to be talking about submission. We're going to be talking about authority. We're going to be talking about faithfulness over fame. We're going to talk about inputs and outputs. So if you can, Make sure to hit the notification bell, hit the subscribe button, all of those things you already have heard from 100 different YouTubers. But again, this video is going to be incredible. Let's jump in. Welcome to this week's episode of Conversations with Josh. My name is Josh. I'm your host. I'm super excited to jump into this week's topic. I just want to remind you of eight things as a leader, specifically if you are in the church. If you are a leader in the church, this video, this podcast is going to be for you. If you're a pastor, if you're a servant leader, I want to remind you a few things because I believe as we are mission-oriented, as we are going forward, as we're pushing forward the kingdom of God, there are things that I believe if we don't stop in a moment and remind ourselves of some things, we can actually get off course. And we know this, that if you get on a train in New York and you go one degree off south, you're not going to end up in California. You might end up in Texas or Arizona. So the reality is, is our responsibility is to stay on track. There are a few things in this that I'm currently processing through. And just some notes, honestly, that I've been taking over the course of my journey as a leader in the church. I've been in the church for almost 10 years. I've been saved for 10 years anyways. And specifically, I've been leading for about eight years in the church. I've been in staff roles. I've been in high capacity executive pastor, executive leader roles. And at this point, I just want to encourage you that you're doing better than you think you are. We always are our biggest critics in our lives. I understand that there honestly is a lot of weight, especially in 2024, in our journeys. And I don't care if you just serve on a team, you're carrying so much. And in this video, I hope is going to be an encouragement and a challenge to you to get better, to get 1% better. That's all this podcast has been about, this YouTube channel, anything it's just been about us having a conversation as we've had guests and um, people that are coming in to share insights in this, this solo podcast like this. So we're going to jump into number one. Thank you so much again for listening and watching. It means the world to me. Number one, whatever puts us where we are will not take us where we need to go. Your ability to be flexible and learn is crucial. Whatever got you here won't get you there. I don't care what what it took. It might have been a 20-year journey to get to this point today. That's great. And 
It's our responsibility to be able to pivot, to be able to learn, to be able to grab insight from our local area and be able to move forward of what God is doing in our area. Make this not about other people. Make this about yourself. Whatever got you here won't get you there. Whatever you're doing today, we need to be able to pivot and not be married to the things that we're just doing. If you're married watching this, you're married to a spouse. That's it. You're married to your wife. You're married to your husband. That's it. You're not married to your church. You're not married to your methods. You're not married to your job. What you are married to is, one, you have, you have a covenant with God, obviously, if you're watching this. And if you don't, I, I still think all these things are applicable to you regardless. But the, again, this video is for a church leader. But again, whatever puts us where we are will not take us where we need to go. Whatever brought you here isn't going to take you there. We need to be open to learning and be flexible. A core value in your life should be, I'm going to be flexible. I'm going to remain flexible. I'm going to be okay with pivoting. And honestly, your level of success will be determined how quickly you can pivot in situations, hence 2020. A lot of churches struggled. A lot of churches didn't come through 2020. A lot of churches don't exist anymore, honestly, because somebody in the system uh, of their church was not able to pivot. You weren't able to pivot. And what, what's so interesting about that is nobody had ever experienced something like that before. So you p think about this situation. A large majority of people, I would say literally everyone, but I don't want to just blanket statement things like that, experience something that they've never experienced before that was a, a battle or hard pressed. It was hard for everyone, regardless of where you lived across the world. So nobody experienced it. So how do you learn and be able to pivot from something that nobody else has gone through before? I would say, in my opinion, one, our level of depth in relationship with God, because I believe he does speak and he is way more interested in building your, his church than you are. Obviously, it's his bride, not yours. So he, our, our level of depth with him and also our practices. So think about this, our disciplines. If you are a person who is constantly able to remain flexible and pivot and learn, and you're constantly learning about uh, anything that you're passionate about that can apply to this context. So when stuff, when stuff hits the fan, you, one, have your relationship in depth with God, and you have the knowledge and wisdom of knowing, oh, this is nothing. It, it might have hit me, but I'm still here, and we're still going, and we're still moving forward. Because I, I'd say this, vision and mission are everything. Vision and mission are what build a church alongside of, obviously, partnering with God of what he's doing. But God's going to use you. If God was just going to do it by himself, we wouldn't be here. We wouldn't need to be serving in church. We wouldn't need to be attending a church. We wouldn't even have church because God would just do it by himself. But obviously, he is in the business of using his creation. And when he uses his creation to do great things, it's our responsibility to learn and be flexible. So whatever got you here won't take you where you need to go. All right, number two, if our output exceeds our intake, then your upkeep becomes your downfall. Life is about inputs and outputs. You are constantly having inflow and outflow. I would say a lot of the context of church, we use the cup, right? Your cup is full or your cup is 
empty. The problem with that is if you have a drink and you, this is your leadership, 24-7 is it going to be pouring out. And I was about to do that, but that would be bad because I have a MacBook right in front of me. And what I'm saying is, is your output, if your output exceeds your intake, then your upkeep becomes your downfall. If you're just constantly, again, being proactive and, or you're being reactive instead of proactive and every single day you're serving and you're not spending time with God, you're not working out, you're not eating healthy, you're not taking breaks, you're not having a Sabbath, all of those things are going to add up. And whether we know it or not, it might not be shown physically, but you're gaining weight mentally or emotionally or psychologically or spiritually. And if you don't have an outflow, if you don't have a, an avenue where you can channel all of that, yes, in prayer, yes, in your Bible time and your small groups. But what I'm saying is you need something else that is refreshing to you. It might honestly be working out. It might be reading a book. It might be cycling. Whatever it is, having an avenue or a channel to take all of those feelings and emotions, because the reality of ministry is there is a lot of weight in it. Yes, spiritually, but also you're just carrying a lot of people's junk. And what a gift. It's not a burden. It's a blessing. But our responsibility is to be able to take that and not take it on as our own. That's where the gift of mercy comes in. Mercy doesn't take it on as your own and carry the weight forever. Again, we need to be so particular on the weight we're choosing to carry because you're already carrying enough. You have your own junk, you have your own family, you have your own things going on. And for us to take people's stuff and carry it and not be able to release it back to God and trust him that he is sovereign, he knows what he's doing, that is where our downfall will be. Life is about inputs and outputs. If you're seeing your outputs consistently not being what they used to be, might even attach this to your job. You're not, you're not performing as you used to be. Maybe your relationship with your spouse is not what it used to be. Look at your inputs. Look at your inputs. What have you invested in that in the last not year? Think about it practically. The last seven days, what have been my personal inputs in my life? Oh, geez, I didn't go to the gym. I'm not eating healthy. I'm not sleeping great. Oh, that's why I'm grumpy. And again, we, we know this. We have all done marriage counseling and premarital counseling and, and personal counseling and understanding that everything we do is fruit. So all of the things you're currently experiencing with personal relationships yourself, your job is fruit. And if we can figure out the root or the root, regard, wherever you say it in the United States, and, and understanding that, again, that root or that root is an input. That input determines an output. So as a leader, it's your responsibility for your health. Nobody else's responsibility. Nobody is waking up today thinking about your health. And the practical of it is they can't get healthy for you. Nobody on this planet can get healthy for you. Nobody else on the planet can get therapy for you. They can pressure you into it and they can make you do it and it's not going to be fruitful. Your responsibility is your health, spiritually, physically, emotionally. Nobody else's responsibility. And for us to blame other people for our health is ridiculous. Nobody on the planet can ever make you unhealthy. Nobody on the planet can ever make you offended, make you depressed. 
all of that stuff is real. All that stuff is emotions that you've experienced based on your interpretation of how they're treating you. And it might honestly be the truth. But what I'm saying is, psychologically, they cannot do that stuff to you. It's our response that creates that emotion within us. So again, look at your inputs and outputs. Write down things on your calendar. Make it practical. Number three, beginning with brand rather than substance is dangerous. It's 2024. Let's stop building brands. I, I understand the importance of great marketing. I understand the importance of great graphic design and great sermon series or collection of talks designs that we're putting on our social media. I believe social media is a powerful tool, but a tool used improperly is a weapon. And we're not, we're not people who create weapons. We're not people who use weapons. We are people who have, have tools in our toolbox, and we're supposed to use those to build the church. This is coming from somebody who is in the marketing world, who is in the, the business world right now. I've been in marketing for 10 years. I've built businesses. I've built companies. I've worked with over 200 companies and startups to build up their marketing and strategy and all, all that stuff. All that stuff is important, and substance is more important. I've worked with a lot of entrepreneurs. We're doing social media strategy for, or we're working with video editors to make their content great. And the reality is some of them, not all of them, get upset with me and we'll be on a Zoom call and they'll say, Josh, my social media isn't growing. The video editing must not be good enough. Apply that to you, the church. Our church must not be growing. Our social media is not great. The graphics are bad. The preaching, all that stuff. Again, that, that, matters, all that stuff, the worship, the, as in, when I say worship, I mean the singing, the quality of a, a singer, the quality of a preacher, the graphics, the signage, the, the experience, all that stuff, again, matters, but what matters more is substance, and substance is internal, and you can't do anything about that. What we can do is we can facilitate moments and opportunities for your team to care more about the city than you do. Because if you're the only one uh, who care, cares about the city or the mission that you believe God is speaking to you about, it's your responsibility to share that vision in a way that people hear it and carry it and take it on as their own. Most of the time when teams are not moving at the same pace as their leader, it's not their fault. It's the leader's fault for not sharing the vision in a way that they can understand it and take it on as their own. So substance is everything. You want to have an impactful brand, carry the, the burden of humanity in your city. Serve people with understanding that I might not get anything back care more about your prayer meetings than your social posts, care more about God's presence than you getting clout. All that stuff, again, I, I'm, not, I'm not against it. I don't care. I think there's a lot of people who do care way too much about that stuff, and I believe those are the people who are doing absolutely nothing at this point besides criticizing people who are at least trying. If you're trying, you're winning. I don't care. It, we've all been through so much, you've been through so much. If you're standing up today, you're winning. If you are showing up every day and trying your best, you are winning. I don't care. Again, the all that stuff matters, 
but that doesn't mean that one thing doesn't matter because one thing does. A lot of the things you see online that are polarizing, most of the time they're not mutually exclusive. Most people think they are or try to make them mutually exclusive. Like what I could have said is brand doesn't matter, substance does. No, that's wrong. That doesn't, they're both right. It's just our responsibility to have the priorities right. So beginning, don't begin with brand, begin with substance. Leadership must be earned and is voluntarily given by those who follow, not taken by those who lead. You are not a leader if you are requiring people to follow you. You're not, you're not a leader. You're not even close. You're not even at the, the beginning start race of being a leader if you are requiring people to follow you. You know what that sounds like? I don't even know if I could say the word. What, what it sounds like is you have slaves who you're using God's word as a weapon instead of a tool to help people understand they're gifted, they're called, they're anointed, they're in ministry. And that responsibility is understanding that, yes, submission is everything. Submission is everything when, when it is aligned with God's values and God's truth and his definition of submission, not yours. Submission is absolutely a responsibility that, again, every person should have a leader. Every pastor should have a pastor. Every boss should have a boss. Every CEO should have a, a CEO in their life who is, who is challenging them, holding them accountable. But, but leadership and submission authority should be earned. And, and it's voluntarily given by those who follow. So what you can see is that that authority, that leadership actually is given by the people who are following you. It's not you giving them permission to follow you. It's, it's, and it's not taken by those who lead. You're not taking it. You're not, you're not making it a, a requirement, like I said. Those are people, again, they are the most insecure people on the planet. They're, they're lost. And it's their job to make you feel small. That's not a leader. That's not, that's not even, again, that's not even close. And Matt, apply that to any other context. And somehow, by the way, we think it's appropriate in the church to do this. And if I could have an opinion, that might be the one place that you actually want to care more deeply about the people that you are attached to and in commitment to serving alongside of, because it's God's house. And there's a point coming up here in a bit. But what I'm saying is, know that the people in your life, the people in your church, get an opportunity and a choice to follow you. And if you don't, you know, if you don't have that conversation, again, Jesus chose his disciples. His disciples did not choose him. Every single Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you look at the gospels when Jesus had a conversation with those 12, he gave them an opportunity to follow them, but they could have said, no, we know this. They could have, they, they all had jobs. They all had lives. They didn't even know this guy, but they had, an, they had faith and they obviously had conviction that this guy really is who he says he is. And even if I don't fully understand that, I'm willing to follow him. That is a leader. That is saying, hey, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Okay. I don't know what that means. It's 2024. Apply it to our context. Hey, follow me and blank. That's, that's the mission. Whatever that mission is, give them the opportunity to partner with you in it. So Jesus didn't say, 
follow me and I'm going to be the dominant leader who has influence. Then he didn't. It was his team and it was his people. And keep in mind, you're not the Messiah. What, what, I, what we also do in the church is we, we teach leadership sessions or we even preach sometimes about the narrative of Jesus and apply it to us. And I'm like, homie, I'm not even close. Like, none of us are. We're not even, like, remotely close to being Jesus. Our responsibility as believers of Jesus is as we continue to learn about him through God's word, uh, we should slowly start to look more like him based on our character and how we treat people and how we love the people that he loves, which is humanity. Yes. And we're not Jesus. So keep that, keep that in mind. Keep that in context as we, as we go into these last couple. You can't pastor someone from a distance. Number five, you, can't, you cannot pastor somebody from a distance. You can't lead somebody from a distance. So what I'll, this is kind of a blanket statement, but I'll, I'll dive into it if I need to. You're not a pastor if you're not pastoring people. Just as much if you're not a salesman, if you're not selling. Your job, your calling is to pastor, not preach. There are people who are preachers and not pastors. That's okay. I'm talking to pastors. If you're a pastor and not pastoring people, that does not make you a pastor. That makes you somebody with a title, and titles carry no weight. And honestly, you would be better off without the title because a pastor is a person who pastors people. A pastor is a shepherd. A shepherd with no sheep is jobless. A shepherd with no sheep is jobless and honestly a bad shepherd. So your responsibility is to shepherd the people around you, the people in your context. You might be a small group leader in your church of 37 people in Iowa. That's incredible. Praise God that he's using you to pastor and build people and, and doing your best. Thank you, Jesus, for what he's doing in your life. The responsibility as a pastor is to bring people close. And what we do is we say close, but not, clo not so close that, that people see our scars. Like we're, we're, we're forcing people to sit at coffee and for them to just share all their junk with you when they don't know you and don't trust you but not get close enough that you actually see your scars because you think that's going to hurt your leadership, but actually it's going to help your leadership. Every scar has a story. Every person has a story and a testimony, including you. You never graduate from living in vulnerability and sharing your scars because people will follow you because of your scars and you overcoming that and honestly might not even be fully healed yet than you pretending that you don't have any. A person that does not have scars and tries to lead somebody right now, good luck. That's all I'll say. I, I promise you, you will be better off if you bring people close. Proximity creates passion, right? We, you've heard 17 and a half preachers say that, but the reality is that is a truth. You want people to be passionate about what you're doing and what you guys are doing together. Be a person who is willing to share your scars. No one wins when you try to do everything solo. Stop trying to do everything yourself. I recently tweeted out a funny picture of Ben Affleck carrying like 
four pizzas, six coffees, and you can just tell that all of it's going to fall off. It's not going to work. All that stuff is just going to make a big mess. And that's how a lot of us look right now. You think that carrying everything is how you're going to win. And, but when I say that out loud, you're probably going, no way. No. But if you and I were sitting down and I said, hey, write out everything you are responsible for right now. And your list is more than, I don't know, five things. You're doing too much. You're doing too much. And people honestly are willing to carry it. You just need to ask and you need to paint the picture. So stop doing everything by yourself. Nobody wins when you try to do it all yourself. Last couple here. Greatness is about faithfulness, not fame. You want to have greatness attached to your life. You want to be somebody that has honor and weight to when you walk into a room, people look at you and go, man, that guy is who I want to become when I get to whatever. Attach it to faithfulness, not fame. I'll tell you what, one-hit wonders, there are some great one-hit wonders in the 80s and the 90s, early 2000s, even the last couple years. There's been some bands or musicians who create one great song, and they're probably not a musician anymore. They had to get a real job because they were so focused on the fame, not being faithful. You should be more focused on longevity than leadership even. You should be focused more on you and your spouse than caring more about your Instagram. We need to do a better job at just saying things how they are. The reality is there are some people, not everybody, not every pastor that's ridiculous. Anytime someone says a blanket statement like that, it's never true. It, it isn't. I have yet to see an experience where somebody shares a thought, an opinion about a generality of just a blanket statement, most of the time it's usually just their their trauma that they haven't healed from. But what I was saying is, if you look, there are some people genuinely who care more about their YouTube subscribers, their Instagram following, than their faithfulness in the house. And how crazy is that to say? Like, we, I've said that multiple times, and... We all go, oh my gosh, that's horrible. The problem is we've all experienced it and we've all felt it. Okay. So if we've all felt it, that means we can all talk about it in a place of I'm not the only one because that's one of the biggest lies of the enemy and ourselves is we think we're the only ones. We've all, we've all experienced it. We've all had social media since we were teenagers and we've all lived in that space of man. I bet, it, I bet they get more opportunities than I do because they have more followers. Wrong. I bet they, I bet God wants to use them more than me because he's given them more followers. Wrong. Honestly, God's probably not in the algorithm. He probably isn't. Again, I don't know. I'm looking at it in a context of social media could be deleted tomorrow. God's house would still be growing. God's kingdom would still be moving forward with or without social media. And honestly, if Jesus needed social media so bad to build his house, he would have built it 2,000 years ago when he was here. But he didn't. And again, I'm not saying social media is bad. I think social media is incredible. I've, again, I've honestly built a lot of parts of my life around social media because it is so important to me because I understand that I'm reaching people. This video, this recording would not 
be going out to 55 different countries if I didn't say, man, social media is important to me because it's attached to people. The problem is when we attach fame or that preaching engagement or that opportunity or, man, I need to go to that conference because that pastor is going to be there. So I'm going to get the bro behind them and I'm going to connect with them and I'm going to preach at their church in a year. That's so manipulative and weird. Again, you you traveling and, and preaching is incredible. God will make room for you if your gift is ready and he's ready to open up that door for you. Again, you open up that door, you're going to have to sustain it. God opens it and nobody can shut it. Nobody can shut the door God's opens. But again, you open it, he's going to allow you to go through the door because there's free will attached to it. And at the end of the day, you're going to have to keep that door open and you're going to have to carry your gifting in rooms that you aren't supposed to ever go into, which again, will expose you in ways that you do not want to be exposed. So greatness, you want to be great, be faithful, not famous. All right, last one. The church is not yours, it's God's. But this does not mean you should be a bad steward of your gift. Okay, so the church is not yours, it's God's. The church is not yours. Anytime you hear somebody say, my ministry, my church, and again, that, that context is the definition of it. Yeah, it truly is. It's your church. There's one you go to, just like I have my target. Like It's the target that I go to, that I shop at, that I partake in, but it's not, I don't own it. I don't own that target. I don't own that coffee shop that I go to, but it is my coffee shop. It's the one I go to. So it's my church. Yeah, it's my church. I go there. I, I, I serve there. I partake in it, but I don't own it. The problem is when we think we own the house, you don't own the house. You are a renter, not an owner. You, you do not own God's house. You, there can't be two owners. There can't be two kings in one castle. Many, many communicators have elaborated on this in saying, man, there are a lot of churches right now that they have a king and God will not have another king in his castle. So this, most of the time, the last, I don't know, 100 years, 200 years, whatever, honestly, probably since the book of Acts, you've seen mostly two things happen when somebody thinks they're a king in a kingdom. They get exposed. So you've seen this happen with documentaries or... Honestly, not even the, the, the 1% of that level of influence, but in the micro, something happens because, again, it's their castle. Or 10 years, it won't be a church. In 10 years, it won't exist. And w- because we're so focused on building uh, a brand around a personality, then we are pushing forward the kingdom and partnering with God's mission that he's already doing. And like I said, this it doesn't mean be a bad steward. Because what you could easily do is say, yeah, God's building his church. That means that I don't need to try. That means I don't need to be a steward of the gift. Here's what I know. The parable of talents, all the parables, what you can see is God is not into fairness as much as we think he is. He really isn't into fairness as much as we think he is. Because God is into faithfulness, and what we see is he'd actually move the guy who buried it, the one, and brought it over to somebody else. So if you bury your gift, it might not be there. But what I'm saying is stop trying to be a king in a castle and learn 
that God is building his house and kingdom, and it's our responsibility to partner with it. You know what I think, honestly, is going to die out in the next couple of years? Honor culture. Honor is biblical. And we talked about submission today. We talked about honor. We talked about authority. We talked about faithfulness. All those things are important and biblical values that we don't even get to have an opinion about. Because when there is God's truth, we don't get to have an opinion about it because it is what it is. It's at face value. It's not our responsibility to even think about having an opinion. You try to put yourself up against God to see how that works. But what I'm saying is we can't take one value and prioritize it over another when God's priorities are already in line. Honor is important to God. Honor is biblical. Honestly, you can see throughout scripture people honoring people that don't even deserve it. Even God giving people positions that they shouldn't be in and us trying to to ponder that or to think about that is ridiculous because we don't understand God's ways sometimes. That's how he works because he's not a human and we're not God. We don't, we have finite brains. We can't fully comprehend the the big picture here that God's trying to do. What I'm saying is honor is medicine. Okay? Honor is healthy and healing and it's a good supplement to our lives as leaders. But but and if you do too much of honor, if you take too much honor, if you consume too much honor, you could overdose. And you don't want to overdose on honor. Flattery is a kiss of an enemy. We'll, we'll end with this. Flattery is the kiss of the enemy. Flattery is so not good. You should confront a, the person who is flattering. Again, there's a difference between being kind and genuine and being a, a person who compliments people. Be that, but don't be flattery. Don't, don't, you know, you know what I'm going to say. You don't want to kiss blank. Because when you do that, again, it's your job to understand we're all humans. And at the end of the day, we're all going in coffins. Your title's not going with you. Your fame's not going with you. Your social media's not going with you. God puts you in a place of honor that we should honor people. It's absolutely biblical to honor and to show honor. But honor is mutual, okay? If somebody is requiring honor but not giving it, that's not honor. That's horrible. It's wrong. I'll attach a video below. We did a whole episode on honor and making sure that you don't overdose on it. But again, these are just reminders. I want to remind you you're doing great. God's doing something incredible through you. And again, it's not our responsibility to, to own God's kingdom. Okay, It's our responsibility to partake in it and to participate and be a servant in his kingdom. That is a much different place than you thinking that the whole world's going to change through just you. The world is going to change through his people, his leaders, the people who are willing to take risks, who take his word at face value, and know that God can use anyone, any way, anyhow. It might not make sense to us. We don't have to have everything figured out. You can go the distance. You can remain faithful. You are important. And again, we'll see you next week. We have some incredible guests coming up in the next couple of weeks. I'm so excited to get those out to you guys. We'll see you next week.